Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome back to the Creative Podcast. This is going to be episode 73 with Lynn Hawking from Lynn's Loom. Lynn's a fellow cohort on the Creative Accelerator and she's also a Slack alumni from the Creative Learning Team. So yeah, really cool chat. I hope you guys enjoy and I'll catch up with you at the end. All right, see you soon. This is going to be episode 73 and it's with Lynn Hocken from Lynn's Loom and various other things as well. How's it going, Lynn? Yeah, it's going really well. Like, uh, thanks very much for inviting me to come along. No worries or for, or for accepting my volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I, no, I was saying to you, because um, we're both on the Creative Accelerator, yeah. um, the RG and Look Again um, team, as I said to you last week, and we, was on, we, had our, we have our two days each week, well, every fortnight. Yeah. And I remember saying to you, actually, you think you've been the most organised guest because you messaged me in February when you was about to go to Mexico yeah. on a residency and said, oh, I almost have this idea, I'm going away to Mexico. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's ages away, you know. <laughs> and lo and behold, you know, things have transpired and we both ended up in a creative accelerator, which is really cool. I'm sure we'll talk about that as well. Yeah. But first of all, let's talk about you and what you do. Because I know like, you, come, you do quite a few things and stuff. So just for the listeners, can you give them a little bit of overview of who you are and what you do at the moment? Absolutely, yeah. So I'm, my name's Lynn and I'm a weaver. <laughs> so um, I'm a scientist by training um, and used to be a, an academic at the University of Aberdeen here until about three years ago uh, when I took voluntary severance and spent the next nine months uh, circumnavigating the world with my two sons and my husband at the time um, and while I was there I uh, realised that I spent all of my time gravitating towards uh, weavers, textile museums, textiles that were in museums and shops and thought actually this is what I really want to be spending my time doing, get back to my, my good Scottish roots oh. and uh, all, the, all the things that I had learned to do as a kid with my with my mum and okay. with my granny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then decided to learn to weave on the, or didn't decide, I managed to find a class to learn to weave mm-hmm. on a jungly terrace in northern Thailand, right. which was a fantastic experience mm-hmm. um, with these very traditional uh, Thai weavers with a backstrap loom, which is kind of one of the simplest, oldest types of looms there are, okay. um, with two Thai um, women who didn't speak any English, and I didn't speak any Thai, but still we managed to kind of communicate and transfer knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and that kind of just using your hands to yeah. kind of point and show and, and correct, you know, as I was kind of doing things and they were going, no, 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 and kind of move my hands to where they needed Aye. to be. So, yeah, it was just an amazing experience, and I decided when I came back to Aberdeen that I wanted to do more of that, so I did a few more weaving classes with mm-hmm. Belinda Rose out at Hearn, and it's kind of gone from there, really. So, yeah. 
So I do weave, um, I make things. I've just moved into one of the wasp studios at Langston Place, which is very exciting. <laughs> Got out of the corner of my living room that I've been <laughs> occupying for the last uh, two years. Um, but I also haven't managed to kind of stay away from the field of research either. So I've gotten a collaborator who was at the Glasgow School of Art and has recently moved to Harriet Watts School of Textile and Design, and George Jaramillo. So we've been working together for a couple of years now. And developing research projects um, okay. that around the idea of using data as a source of inspiration for design, because that's really what I do is kind of take that scientific background that I have and then think about how I can use that to yeah, inspire. The best of both for you then, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so yeah, it's um, it's a bit of a mix of weaving for myself, running research projects, mm-hmm. kind of creating collaborative opportunities for for other makers. Um, I'm also the vice chair of Applied Art Scotland, and in that role, I am um, involved with Applied Art Scotland's um, kind of international crafting projects, uh, which are all again about kind of creating collaborative opportunities for the making community in Scotland. So, for you, one thing I don't think I've really touched on since I've kind of gotten to know you through the Creative Accelerator about what. What is it within kind of weaving that kind of appealed to you? What did you kind of, what was the connection for you that you said, oh, this this is me, this is something that I can transfer a bit of myself into? Um, I think it's a really, it's a kind of a physical connection with it. It's a real material, mm-hmm. um, a kind of a material connection. So, the, you know, sewing and knitting and crochet and things were things that have been kind of a big part of my childhood and passed on as I said, through kind of mum and, and granny when I was younger. So um, the idea of creating something um, has always been attractive. And I have to say that it wouldn't necessarily have limited myself to just to weaving. You know, okay. I've kind of had dabbled in pottery and dabbled in a few other things as well. Um, and it's just that weaving is the one that I kind of settled on because I found that, the, as I said, the things I was gravitating more towards really were kind of fabric aspects of the world and it's so fundamental to kind of how we are as human beings you know we kind of you know we're kind of surrounded by fabric we sleep in it we wear it we surround ourselves by it so it's a it's a kind of just a a fundamental human need i think to be in contact with fabrics of some kind i remember when i was in school and we had like the the classes and like they call it a home ec and it has to be one week you do cooking and one week you do the sewing and all that kind of stuff. And all yeah. the guys in the world would find excuses to not do the kind of the weaving and the sewing kind of things. Yeah. And I kind of felt like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that for many generations, this thing about weaving was kind of seen like, oh, that's for like the older generation. Was that matter like wrong or right or wrong? Do you think? No, I mean, there's that? definitely aspects to that. I yeah. mean, it's, it's kind of considered a heritage craft in oh, some yeah. ways. Yeah. Um, it's a Heritage Craft Association in England that run, uh, or the UK, that have a kind of a red list of endangered crafts. Um, okay. Weaving is not on there. It's right. one of the ones that actually is kind of thriving and, yeah. and healthy. And there's a real kind of younger generation coming through with an interest in it now, yeah. which is fantastic yeah. to see. Um, and really important that we kind of hold on to these skills yeah. and, and use them and work with them. I mean, the, the idea of it being a kind of a an older person's hobby mm-hmm. um, is valid it's, it is a hobby for lots of older people but it's also a kind of a hobby and a, yeah. and a, um, a means of making a living for for a lot of other younger people as well yeah so there's been a real resurgence i think in 
very much in the kind of handcrafted and being able to create things for yourself. Mm. Like it's really died out in a lot of the schools probably since you and I were at yeah. secondary school. Yeah. Like my own children have really not touched much on um, the kind of home ec, the mm. cookery classes and the, the kind of creating things, the sewing and creating things with, with fabric. Kind of, the kind of skills kind of things that seem to have kind of just kind of not been seen as like relevant and stuff, you know, it's strange yeah, how that's kind of happened within education. Yeah, and over the last kind of 20 years mm. or so, I mean, to the point now where um, the school kids that are going, leaving school, going to university, want to become surgeons, they lack the fine motor skills yeah. to, to be able to, to perform the yeah. stitching that they need to in surgery. You yeah. know? So, you've, so you've got kind of trainee surgeons being sent off to do silversmithing courses and various other things to, to acquire those fine motor skills. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I know, I remember, like, um, like, now for me, like, I know, like, if you suffered when I was younger, if it ripped, you just kind of, like, know how to sew it. And I think like now younger younger generations of young people is like, oh, let's chuck it away. Yeah, yeah, open it, don't need it, you know. So yeah, absolutely. And I mean, a lot of that is fed by the kind of fast fast fashion mentality that we've Mm -hmm. acquired over the last probably twenty or so years as well. You know, kind of get credit, pay for things rather than mm-hmm. save up and buy them. But yeah. also this idea that you buy something, wear it once, mm-hmm. and and kind of send it off to a charity shop or to landfill yeah. is hugely problematic. And as you say, it means that people don't think about repairing the mm-hmm. clothes that they have. And so yeah, it's easy, so easily accessible, isn't it? Those, the, the the value of something doesn't really mean as much as it would, I guess, in our generation. No, absolutely not. And you know, when you can pick up a t-shirt for two quid from a from a high street shop yeah. without really thinking about what that means for the person who has created mm-hmm. that for yeah. you and how much they have earned well, yeah. for you or how they have lived their lives mm-hmm. in order for you to be able to buy that mm-hmm. top for yeah. two or three quid. So would you say then in the message of like what you're doing, is there some aspect about, even though you're talking about the kind of scientific kind of connection, but also about um, sustainability as well? Yeah, there's definitely, you know, the for myself, but also for the collective of textile practitioners that I'm a part of and mm-hmm. the reason that I'm at the Creative Accelerator yeah. programme with you. Um, the sustainability agenda is a big one. It's Certainly there's a, a kind of a small but um, growing movement mm-hmm. of people within the textile sector who yeah. recognise the, the impact that textiles can have mm-hmm. on the world at a time when people are becoming more aware of climate crisis and their kind of individual impact on the world. Yeah. And what is the name, I'm sure, I'm sure you've definitely said it many times, of the collective <laughs> that you're part of? So I'm working with another six textile practitioners across Scotland, as well as the design researcher, George, I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, um, as part of the Oral Textiles Collective. So this is a research project that George and I developed um, a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. where we were taking the idea of using sounds as the starting point for textile pattern okay. design. So record the sound and then visualise them as a spectrogram, which is a way of looking at kind of changes in sound pitch and intensity over time um, and taking that as the starting point for creating screen printed, knitted and um, hand woven textiles. Okay. So that's the we've been doing research to understand kind of the impact on introducing um, a data inspired design process into people's creative practice you know what it means for them how they work with it what kind of sounds people want to record and and to interpret as well as um thinking about 
what type of support somebody might need as a practitioner mm-hmm. interested in doing this, like how, what software they need to have access to, how do they work with it, how do they integrate that with their current practices. So that's all the kind of the research side of it, but then all of us who have been involved in the project decided that actually there's potentially a business opportunity in this for us as well, okay. which is the reason that I've been coming along to this um, yeah. kind of startup accelerator crew programme for creatives with yourself and lots of other very talented creatives from across yeah, Aberdeen City. I, I just kind of realise that the time for this is going so, it's gone by so quickly as well and it's just kind of like you learn so much in like one kind of like session or like two sessions a week, you're like, wow my book of notes is just really filling up. It's definitely, it's definitely valid things about business that I've never really thought about, you know, you think you can do something with face value and say, oh, I really enjoy it, really passionate about it, but it also gives you food for thought about how you can actually keep something going and sustain it. Yeah, and so actually it's about making it sustainable for yeah. you, for you, for me, for mm-hmm. everybody that's involved with it and mm-hmm. understanding how you can support your lifestyles mm-hmm. through your creative practice yeah. as well. Um, that you can actually do things that do make money, mm-hmm. that actually making money is not a bad thing because I think uh, I I think the the relationship with money and reward is something that a lot of us struggle with she mentioned the M word she she said it was okay to make it (laughs) 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 you know the whole whole kind of trope of the struggling artist is one that I think a lot of us still really buy into yeah that thing isn't it that you know I think that's definitely highlighted that it's okay to say that you want to you know because you can't kind of do anything for free in your free time and maintain that you end up putting your own money into it so, yeah that's it you end up yeah. subsidizing it yeah. in money and time from yeah. other parts of your life as well so it's thinking about what are the bits where you can make some money from and how do you but also how do you want to make your money and, yeah. and what are the other aspects of your business that you want to give value to but yeah. kind of underpinned by this idea that Society requires us to have money in order to have the things that we need to, yeah, to live. And, yeah. and until we can change that, then... I think it's the overall, overall, you're getting that kind, of, that kind of common sense view or getting that kind of fine balance of, like, you know, if you want things to maintain things, this is definitely, you know, there are routes you can go down about kind of compromising your kind of moral position or your values and stuff, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And even just understanding the things that we need to think about when you mm-hmm. when you start up as a business, because you know yeah. we're all great at having ideas, mm-hmm. uh, but it's actually think, understanding what we need to do to keep ourselves right with the tax man and yeah. um, you know, who who are the best people to speak to, mm-hmm. who can you go to for advice mm-hmm. when, if you're not particularly well connected into the business kind of world around about you. How do you start to find people who are and get them to kind of uh, give you some of the information that will help you on your own yeah, kind of path through yeah. through your business, through yeah. life. I'm avoiding the use of the word journey. Uh, <laughs> the journey. <laughs> yes, the business journey, yeah. the creative journey. <laughs> so earlier this year in February when you messaged me, you was just heading off to Mexico as a part what? of a research project, you know. And so how did that all come about? So I went to Mexico as part of the Crafting Futures programme that's run by the British Council. Um, So the British Council are funded through the UK government's Foreign and Commonwealth Office. Um, And they do a lot of work, so they're involved with the Venice Biennial um, and they have quite a lot of open calls 
With the Craft and Futures, the idea is about information exchange, so it's about how we can use um, kind of knowledge mm-hmm. that is acquired within the UK for the benefit of some of the other countries that right. the UK operates yeah. within, and they operate in something like 130 or 170 different countries. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of this stuff um, is around entrepreneurship training, um, but also a lot of it's about kind of cross cultural exchanges so it's about people who live in work artists and practitioners in the UK being able to go and spend time in other countries to be able to inspire new pieces of work and to do research um, so they have open calls there's one open just now with the deadline coming up on the 6th of October if anyone's interested in applying for that um, but also the British Council also work with partner organisations in the UK um, to deliver specific pieces of work and one of the things that they do one of the partners they have is Applied Art Scotland so just before I joined the board of Applied Art Scotland they had an open call out looking for a Scottish maker who would be able to go and spend a month working in Oaxaca, Mexico right. in February this year so I applied for that and was um, selected to go out and work so I went out from Scotland and worked together with a recent design graduate and then a group of traditional rug weavers from, oh. a, from a town in Oaxaca state called Teotitlan de Valle. And it was just such an amazing experience. So I was there. There was also a, a Mexican designer who worked in a different team with another design graduate and some Carrizo weavers. So this is kind of a, a reed type of weave. So the two teams of us kind of worked alongside each other, creating separate pieces of work. But okay. we were all living in the same place in this amazing ex-hacienda in the countryside. Right. So we had the chance to bounce ideas off each other in the evening and kind of what what's working, what's not, what's difficult, how can we fix this? So it was just an amazing opportunity. And I should have been working with between two and four rug weavers and I ended up having nine of them involved with the project because they were all really excited about this idea of um, being able to visualise sounds and Mm. to recreate these within the rugs that they weave. So it was it, it was amazing on so many levels. Yeah. The um, the fa- the nine rug weavers were actually an extended family, which was good for me because with a background in human genetics, it was fun. I got to draw out their pedigree structure and oh, understand right. <laughs> understand all of the relationships between the family members. Um, but also got to really understand because um, I hadn't realised when I went out there just how um, important sounds are to them culturally and to how they okay. how, how that community kind of place, uh, how comes, place how comes themselves. How that kind of community then sounds very important to them? Um, so they're one of the... Um, so there's Zapotecs, mm-hmm. which is one of the um, indigenous peoples mm-hmm. of Mexico, so a pre-Hispanic right. um, community. Um, so a lot of their language, for example, is not written down. Um, it's, oh, okay. it's communicated kind of verbally and, right. and orally. So a lot of their history is... Um, is oral history it's as I say not there's nothing kind of transcribed but it's also how they kind of place themselves within their communities and how they understand where they are and what's happening what time of year it is what ceremonies there are you know like depending on how the church bells are ringing it tells them if it's a wedding or a funeral or, oh, okay, um, okay. For, for example yeah. and then obviously the different different bird sounds that there are and, and music is a big part of their their kind of life mm-hmm. as well um, so that was that was kind of really exciting to kind of discover as we went through the project that this was 
you know, as a concept was really meaningful to them. It wasn't just something that I was rocking up going, yeah, we've had this great idea, let's try this yeah. out. It was actually something that they were also really excited to, oh, to, okay. to try out and yeah. introduce into their own practice as well. Mm. Um, and it was also amazing because when we had the final exhibition at the, at the end of my trip to Oaxaca, all of the weavers stood up and individually spoke about the sounds that they had recorded and why and what it had meant to them to take part in the project. And it was so wonderful because we had um, we had two generations of family involved. We had women and men. Um, and the women were all really pleased that actually the sounds that they had recorded had equal value to the men, the men. Okay. because some of them, in Mexico, a lot of the communities are still kind of very patriarchal and oh. um, so the fact that they're the sounds that they selected some of which were kind of domestic you know it was their children it was their um it was the sounds of cooking for yeah. example but actually this, that they the patterns that they created had the same value and the same interest yeah. as anything that the guys had selected was really important to them but the other really big thing was they're all still working with traditional pedal looms on the terraces of their houses okay. um, and there was there's a bit of a kind of a general fear of technology and the impact it's having on the younger generations oh, okay. Okay. and the younger generations interest mm-hmm. in their um, in their local communities their desire to stay in the local communities and to learn these traditional kind of old people's techniques mm-hmm. coming back to what we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier um, and a, a general kind of fear among some of the older generation that technology was taking their kids away oh, from okay. them. But what actually happened with this was that the younger ones, so the kind of 20-ish year olds who were involved, suddenly got really excited about the possibilities and what they could do with weaving now and how they could use it. And it kind of completely reinvigorated their interest in oh, cool. weaving because they could see a way that they could connect to it in a different way. And at the same time, on seeing that, their parents became reassured that actually technology could have positive so uses as well. So it kind of coincide well. a bit, you know, mixed them the, with the older, younger generation and the older generation. Yeah. So you were. So there was this kind of intergenerational kind of reconnection oh, as well good. that happened through it, which again kind of coming back to the my kind of interest in genetics and family history yeah. it was just like yeah this is amazing this oh, just okay. kind of ties so many things yeah. together but they are now um as a result of this project they are now preparing for an exhibition at the textile museum in Oaxaca as oh, well wow. so right. I'm at the moment trying to um, see if I can drum up some funds to get back out. And, so where's and, the set going to be? So it's going to be at the Textile Museum in Oaxaca City in 2020. Okay, yeah. So, right. so, no, sorry, 2021. Oh, okay. But the kind of cool. spring of 2021, so I'm hoping to get back out next year and do oh, a bit more sweet. work on on development of yeah. um, some of the pieces that will go into the exhibition. It's so interesting how that's kind of like, how that's, I guess for you, like, you know, before you went out there, you all had a lot of preconceived ideas how it would go. It seems to kind of like been way more than you could have, could have imagined then. It will, yeah. I mean, I, just, I tried not to have too many preconceived yeah. ideas. I just hoped it would be interesting for me and interesting for them. Mm-hmm. And actually it was. And, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that now we're still talking and trying to find ways to keep working together is, um, is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, kind of pulls together some of the things I'm interested in about collaborative working and this idea of thing, you know, kind of heritage crafts and their relevance for the younger generation, yeah. how people kind of connect with the place that they live in and what it means to them to, mm-hmm. to kind of understand a bit more about the way that they live and why yeah. they live that way. Yeah. 
It seems very interesting. I remember seeing some pictures as well on Facebook and I think it's kind of like, for you, obviously it sounds like you've kind of got a lot from that experience as well. I have, yeah. yeah. So I, as I said earlier, I've only travelled around the world with um, with my family. We had spent six weeks in Mexico, but we hadn't visited Oaxaca State last time and love Mexico. So I'm really excited about the chance to, okay. to get back there again and try and uh, practice my very survival Spanish. Okay. <laughs> and try, try, try and improve my... Sorry, <laughs> Even though there's only one of me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was really excited about getting back and I'm really keen to kind of keep try to keep that relationship going and kind of find opportunities for, for me to get out there and for them to come back, which actually um, we've managed to do through Applied Art Scotland. So um, the design graduate that I worked with, the Mexican designer who was on the other team, as well as one of the weavers from the collective, three of them are coming back to Scotland next month for a textile residency. Oh, okay. Um, and you're going to catch up with that now. Yeah, so it's a, it's a two-site residency. So they're going to be over in Lewis for the first half um, and then back to Braemar where I'll be... Um, kind of showing them the sights and signs of textiles in, okay. in North East Scotland but yeah. we've also got two Scottish textile makers who will be on the residency as well including okay. another bit in Fiona Hall from Camban Studio in Aberdeen oh, okay. don't know if I've pronounced that right Fiona sorry if I've um, <laughs> put this dress in the wrong it's Camban Camban so yeah keep, keep an eye on Instagram <laughs> And for yourself as well, you have, like, uh, besides beyond, obviously, the collectors you're with, you know, you have Lynn's Loom, I think it was one, and probably first met you last year at the Etsy, um, made local Christmas market as well. Yeah, yeah. And were you kind of thinking, like, more or less kind of taking time out to kind of carry that on as well? Yeah, so um, I, I'm hoping to be doing some Christmas markets this year again. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason I take on the Wasp Studio just a few weeks ago is because I actually acquired another loom which will um, which is got, huge it's huge it's, it's, it's massive yeah. I, need, I needed my two um, man boys down to help me lift the cast iron but that was fun top stuff, half of it <laughs> yeah, yeah it was they were, they were nice and they, they, they were there was no bad language oh, <laughs> involved in right, getting a very good. heavy piece of equipment right. assembled <laughs> none at all um, I couldn't have done it without them. It was, uh, it was, uh, yeah. As I say, I would definitely not a one woman job to right. um, to put that bit on the top of it. But yeah, it's um, it got a bit more flexibility in terms of kind of design possibility, but it's also computer controlled, which means that I should be able to kind of speed up how quickly I can make things okay. and start to start yeah. to kind of not definitely not get into the mass manufacture, but get um, kind of into very small batch production rather mm-hmm. than the kind of one-off pieces that I've, okay. I've been doing before. up until now yeah okay. so I will keep doing one-off pieces and I do create things for exhibition as well as to to sell mm-hmm. but definitely the sales side of things is um, something I want to develop over the next year or two but yeah. certainly keeping it in very much in the kind of small batch mm-hmm. um, high quality sustainable okay. part of the market yeah not just making stuff just just to make stuff to make money actually do it with a bit of purpose and focus yeah definitely and um making things that are um what's what's the best way to say it things that are almost kind of heirloom pieces rather than you know feeding into that fast 
yeah, cycle possibly, of kind yeah. of buy thing, buy mm-hmm. something for the sake of buying somebody a gift, but mm-hmm. actually, you know, it's been bought by people who are invested in the ideas, you know, the kind of the scientific inspiration, mm-hmm. as well as the fact that it's been kind of slowly made um, through traditional techniques. Yeah. So I would say, as well, ask you, beyond the up and coming showcase that we'll be involved in for RGU look again. I don't think anyone's really mentioned it. And I think um, actually Catherine Park has mentioned it. Yeah, that's right, with that. her great little illustration. Yeah, that's really cool. Did. Yeah, and so we're going to be in, in that space on St Andrew's Street, good look again space. Yeah, getting head all around that as well. It's going to be fun. I think it's going to be really cool. I think there's a lot of people behind us and championing us, kind of make a good success, and I think it's going to be really cool on Accelerator. But beyond that, what else is going to be happening for you this year? Um, so I guess the other big thing, apart from that exhibition in, um, was it 13th, 14th of September? Well, Thursday the 12th of September to the 15th, Sunday the 15th. Yeah, so yeah, if anyone's free that weekend, come yeah. along. <laughs> <laughs> so that, yeah, that's, that's going to be a kind of a, all of us who've taken part in yeah. the Creative Accelerator will have, um, kind of maybe, might be works in progress rather than finished mm-hmm. pieces, but um, definitely we'll, we'll all be looking for feedback on the where we're at with our businesses and what, yeah, as part of and what that. We do, kind of thing. Yeah. So that's that's one thing. Um, the other thing is that the Oral Textiles Research Project, mm-hmm. we managed to get a second round of funding right. from the Royal Society for Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. So we've widened that out now um, and have uh, another six people who are non, not textile practitioners but are still makers from across Scotland involved with the project um, as a way to see what happens, like how our original group are able to transfer the knowledge that they've acquired out mm-hmm. to other makers, but also what happens when we take different disciplines together and get them co-creating work together. So that's going on. We're off to Helmsdale at the beginning of September for okay. our second gathering of the group, and that's going to run for another year at least after this. Um, and aside from that, I managed to secure some funding from Aberdeen City Council's creative funding cool. team um, to do a bit of research and development into a project that is very much about um, kind of heritage and identity and connection to place. Mm-hmm. So um, it's actually, it was inspired by a talk that I went to see as part of the New York conference earlier this year where okay. somebody was talking about... Um, kind of psychogeographical ways of interacting in communities so that you're not you're not kind of um, moving around the community through its capitalist structures like mm-hmm. roads that are there to transport people and things, yeah. um, but through some other kind of form of logic. Mm-hmm. And my mum has actually been doing some digging around in our family tree mm-hmm. and we've discovered she's got back, back seven generations um, and from me backwards. Um, and there's quite a number of us, about one in every generation, at least one in every generation, who has been involved in the weaving trade in the northeast of Scotland okay. in some way. Right. And that's quite a loose definition. So, right. for example, my mum worked in the office of a factory, oh, okay. a weaving right. factory in Kerrier. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. it is, yeah, she was still there. My my, my aunt was, um, was one of the weavers on the floor. Okay. Um, and then you've got spinners, people who've worked in kind of textile mills, back through to kind of handloom cottage industry. 
artistry, weavers, and kind of everything in between. So basically, it's in the blood. So it's in my DNA. It's definitely intended. So, so yeah. So I've got a bit of money to do a bit more digging around in the family tree, but also okay. to try to find the places where my ancestors oh, were brilliant. living yeah. and working across okay. the northeast. Right. Go and visit those places. Mm-hmm. Kind of maybe scope out sites for mm-hmm. possible future kind of site-specific installations, maybe community projects, um, woven installations, obviously, but thinking very much about how you get those local communities to reconnect with their weaving heritage, because a lot of them will have no idea at all that it was, yeah, yeah, that it was, you know, it was kind of one of the industries of Mm -hmm. their forebears, through necessity in a lot of Mm -hmm. cases, because it's kind of agricultural communities. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but it really does kind of take you through the, handloom cottage industry into the more industrial manufacturing oh, okay. in the mills in Aberdeen as well as in Angus and then now coming back to me setting up my studio but very much more in the line of that kind of cottage industry small scale production right. so, sounds really interesting that. yeah, sounds really it's, yeah it's really good fun I'm really I was really pleased to be able to get the funding for oh, for yeah. the research phase of it um I'm excited to find out a bit more about my own family, but also to to kind of big up Aberdeen City yeah, and Aberdeen, Aberdeen yeah. Shire and remind the world that we're not just um, oil and gas and that there's a lot yeah. of other things and a lot of creative industries around the place. Yeah. Nice one. That's a good note to end. <laughs> so then where can people find you like on social media? Um, the best place to find me is on Instagram at Lindsloom. That's L Y N N E S L W M. I am on Twitter and Facebook. I don't use those quite as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Instagram is definitely the best place cool. where you'll find all sorts of everything about every project I'm involved with and yeah. all kind of behind the scenes okay. chat and just kind of streams of consciousness (laughs) 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 depending on what I'm thinking about that (laughs) you will not find a curated feed that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) then thank you for being episode um, 73 of the podcast hope you guys enjoy our channel yeah let us know what you think and yeah and I'll be back at some point don't know when but you know then I think it's a really good episode to end on I'm sure I'll be back at some point maybe Late September or early October, I'm going to chill and relax and enjoy family time. So, yeah, see you guys soon. Sounds good. Nice one. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hello again. Yeah, that was a really cool chat to kind of take a break on. Um, Yeah, thanks, Lynn, for coming on the podcast and kind of sharing your story with us. Really appreciate it. And, yeah, guys, you know, I'll be taking a little break from here on out. I'll be back at some point. maybe late September, early October. But it's kind of cool to kind of just chill out, take a break, enjoy family time and, you know, just relax, man. So, yeah, I'll be kind of just doing a few things here and there behind the scenes. But, yeah, thanks, everyone. You've definitely made up, you know, the better half of this year. Um, Loads of really cool chats and also the guest hosts, Gary, um, Kemp, Joe Muir and Emily Utter. Really appreciate it. Um, you guys getting involved in the podcast. Kind of saved my bacon early in the year when I was on paternity leave. I think it's, you know, really cool what we've got happening in Aberdeen and the amount of creatives that, you know, just kind of highlighting what they're doing and, you know, keep on grafting and you know, doing their thing. I think it's kind of really cool to see all the kind of interesting things happening in Aberdeen at the moment with regards to kind of creativity and culture. So yeah, guys, man, um, you know, you can always kind of listen back to episodes. You can download them for free 
available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Podcast um, Addict, um, Player FM, all available to download on your phone if you're on Android or you have an um, iPhone. So yeah, get involved, big up um, the podcast, big up the Dean and big up yourselves. All right, see you guys soon.